And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Two weeks, you don't want to miss it. We're going to start a new series called You Asked For It. And uh, you might remember back on Easter Sunday, we did a quick little survey and uh, asked you a few questions as uh, part of our annual survey. And uh, some of the questions we're just kind of asking, what are some barriers that you experience in your relationship with the Lord? What are some topics that you're just kind of curious about what the Bible has to say about them? And so we're going to jump into that on August 15th, and uh, we're going to spend about four or five weeks and uh, looking at uh, some different topics that that you guys were most interested in. Um, I want to let you know just from the get-go that uh, there were a lot of responses. And so for those that might wonder, well, Ryan, it's your job to just kind of pray about it and whatever the Lord gives you, you preach on. Well, that does happen. So when I'm choosing between 100, 150 topics, the Holy Spirit is leading in that. But uh, I think it's important that we, um, that we talk about some of the areas that you're experiencing in your life on a, a weekly basis. And so it's going to be a great series. Um, we will also let you know what the topic is going to be a week in advance. Uh, that way you're able to uh, share that with some of your friends or family or coworkers that might be walking through uh, a situation uh, related to that topic. Uh, that way, if you feel like uh, they would be blessed to be a part of, of, of that service, uh, you'll be able to invite them to be a part of it. And so that'll be in two weeks. That's not next week. Next week's back to school. But the week after that, we'll get into that series called You Ask For It. So we've been in this uh, series all summer, uh, really a collection of talks um, from this uh, title, this series title called Influencers. And basically this series has been uh, looking at individuals in the Bible and really asking this one kind of important question that if they were here today, like if they were here sitting with us, what kind of advice would they give us for us to, to really live to our full potential in Christ? How many want to live to your full potential in Christ? Like not halfway, not 25%, but you want all that God has for us. Well, I don't know about you, but I've had people in my life that have influenced my life. And uh, they go through different seasons, they go through different experiences, and so at the end of the day, there's going to be kind of a, a, a focal point that they have based off their experiences um, that they will advise us on. And so we've looked at a lot of different people in Scripture. Uh, today, we want to wrap up our series, and I want to talk about uh, another woman that you've probably heard of in Scripture. I want to talk about Esther. So we're going to talk about Esther. So you can, uh, if you got your Bible, you can begin to kind of maneuver your way to the book of Esther. You know, Esther is really is a true Cinderella story. I mean, it is a rags to riches kind of story. You know, Esther's parents, if you didn't know, died at an early age. She grew up really a far from perfect uh, orphan in a foreign land. Um, but despite the odds being stacked against her, God uses her in a mighty way to save the Jewish people from genocide. And I think something that's kind of interesting about the book of Esther, I don't know if, you've, if you knew this, but uh, in the book of Esther, um, there is no mention whatsoever of God. Hmm. 
No, it's the only book in the entire Bible that doesn't mention God at all anywhere. No reference, no kind of, kind of allusion to God, like no mention of God whatsoever. And, you know, I was kind of thinking about that this past week and, and why, would, um, why would God um, allow a book in the Bible to not have any mention of him whatsoever? And I don't know if this is the right answer, but I tell you what landed in my heart was that God knew that we would experience some seasons in our life where it just felt like he was nowhere to be found. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a situation going through some things and it just, it just felt like God was nowhere to be found? And, and I think what we see in the story of Esther is we see where God is nowhere to be found, but behind the scenes, we see that he's working all things out for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And so today, I think if Esther was here, I think if there was one piece of advice that, that she might give us today, I think it's around this, uh, this statement that you can write down if you're taking notes, that the right thing and the easy thing are rarely the same thing. That the right thing and the easy thing are rarely the same thing. Today, I want to take a look at the story of Esther and I don't know if you've ever kind of been in a, in a season where you've wrestled between good opportunities and God opportunities, trying to discern the difference between the two, because how many know that not all good opportunities are God opportunities, right? And so today I want to take uh, this story of Esther, and uh, I want us to kind of dig into it just a little bit. We're going to kind of stay um, at a 30,000 foot view. Uh, of this story. We just don't have time to get into all the details, but I want to take a look at, at Esther's story, and I want to see if we can uh, come away with a few things, few characteristics that can um, really help us tell the difference between a good opportunity and a God opportunity. So grab your Bible and, uh, and let's pray. Let's take a moment just to prepare our hearts for what the Lord has to say to us. Say this out loud with me. Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to be looking at Esther chapter 1 today. Again, I want to encourage you, there's 10 chapters in uh, the book of Esther. I would encourage you to try to read that this week. Um, we're going to be staying very high level. There's a lot of details that I'm going to be skipping right over, um, but it's a great read, inspiring read. And uh, dig a little deeper and keep this kind of in mind that there are some foreshadowing in this story. Um, for Esther is kind of a foreshadow of Jesus. And there's some other characters I'll talk about in just a moment that also are a foreshadow. And so there's some stuff going on there that I think you'll find interesting if you take some time to read it this week. So story begins in Esther chapter one. I want to pick up in verse one. It says, this is what happened during the time of Xerxes. The Xerxes who ruled over 127 provinces stretching from India to Cush. Now Xerxes is the king of Persia. 
And the Persian Empire stretched from modern-day Ethiopia to India. So it was a massive amount of space. It included some countries that you're familiar with, Israel and Jordan and Syria and Turkey and Iraq and Iran and Afghanistan and Pakistan. I mean, it was a pretty big territory, this Persian Empire. And back then, the Persian Empire was the most dominant empire in all the world. And so we see here in verse 2 that at that time, King Xerxes, that he reigned from his royal throne in the citadel of Susa. And in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all of his nobles and officials, the military leaders of Persia and Media, the princesses, and the nobles of the provinces were present. Now check this out. Look, look what he did in verse 4. For a full 180 days, so for half a year, he displayed the vast wealth of his kingdom and the splendor and the glory of his majesty. So, so he was showing off a little bit, showing off a little bit. And in verse 5, we see that when these days were over, that the king gave a banquet that was lasting seven days in the enclosed garden of the king's palace for all the people from the least to the greatest who were in the citadel of Susa. In other words, King Xerxes throws the seven-day rager kind of party. Like 24 hours a day, seven days the entire week, like nothing is off limits in this rager party. Like if you were to continue to read in this chapter, it begins to kind of, it begins to, to, to talk about all the different ways that, that he went above and beyond and how he, he made this, he kind of showed off his splendor. I mean, he held nothing back on this seven-day party. And on the final day of the party, he calls for his wife Vashti to come join him because he wants to show her off to all the people that he's partying with. Now, Vashti, which is the queen, obviously, she's throwing her own party with all her ladies somewhere else. And so when word comes that the king wants Vashti to come to his party, here's what she does. She refuses to come over. Now, I'm not the smartest tool in the shed, but I would say that's a problem. And so all the, king, the king's advisors like come to him and they're just stressing out. And they're like, king, you cannot allow this to happen. And, and, and they take this approach. And I find this like super funny and, and interesting. But they take this approach. King, if you allow your wife to not do what you say, then that's going to give permission to all of our wives to not do what we want to say. And so... All of the advisors, they, they end up convincing the king to make this decree. <laughs> Here's the decree that the king ends up making, that every Persian wife must obey their husband. Now, guys, this is not a good time to start elbowing your wife. <laughs> and then fast forward in the story, and the king the king's decree, it's been initiated, his, his kind of anger subsides, and now the king's advisors, they come up with another plan. 
Now, they want to get rid of Vashti at this point, like she is, she's not done what she's supposed to do. She's out of here. And so they come up with another brilliant plan. Let's throw the greatest beauty pageant of all time and find you a new queen. And so in Esther chapter 2, verse 2, it says that the king's personal attendants, they, here's what they propose, let, let a search be made for a beautiful young virgin or virgins for the king. And, and now, what you have to understand is this isn't just any beauty pageant. Like there are 25 million women in the Persian Empire. Like, we ain't talking about a pageant between 100 ladies. We're talking about a lot of ladies. The Bible says that he appoints um, kind of like a scout over each of the 127 provinces to find the most beautiful women. And ladies, here's what happens. They undergo a 12-month kind of of beauty treatment um, experience. How many would be interested in a 12-month beauty treatment experience? (laughs) for 12 months they had to go through these treatments before they could even meet the king and here in verse 7 is where we're introduced to this woman named Esther it says in verse 7 that that Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah whom he had brought up because she had neither father nor mother this young woman who was also known as Esther had a lovely figure and was beautiful Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother had died. Now, if you were to keep reading in this story, Esther ends up being one of the ones that was selected, and and she should not have been selected. She had hidden her nationality of of being a Jew, and and if you don't know this about the story, that, that the Jews had been conquered and exiled, and so they were, in a sense, slaves in the Persian Empire. And so she had hid her nationality, and, and in that, ended up being chosen as one of the women, um, or potential women for the king. And, and then she ends up gaining favor with the king, and ends up becoming queen of Persia. Now, the king ends up promoting a guy by the name of Haman, and if you dig a little bit deeper this week, Haman actually is a foreshadowing of of Satan. And Haman decrees that now he's the second in command, the king has elevated him to this position, and again, I'm sorry, but I'm having to stay like 30,000 foot view um, in order for us to be able to get through this. But, But Haman decrees that everyone must bow to him And Mordecai refuses to do it. And so when Haman finds out that that Mordecai is Jewish, he persuades the king, kind of tricks the king to issue another decree to destroy or kill all of the Jewish people. And it ends up being Esther's courage that that leverages this, this God opportunity to save the Jewish people. Now, I don't know quite where you are in your season. I know in my life, um, I'm always trying to discern the difference between good opportunities and God opportunities. And today, I want to use this story, and I want to give you four characteristics that I think um, 
will help you today to be able to discern the difference between a good opportunity and a God opportunity. And we kind of see these coming from the story of Esther. The first one, if you're taking notes, is this. There's a big one. God opportunities are often disguised as impossible situations. I'm not super old. I'm almost, I'm 45. Um, but I've learned in my life, not all, but many, that many of the God opportunities that he's brought my way has been disguised as an impossible situation. I mean, we see with Esther here that she had no business whatsoever even being considered queen. She was an orphan. She was raised by her cousin. She was a slave girl living in a foreign land, and there were 25 million other women of the right nationality ahead of her. I mean, when you look at that, I think impossible situation. You see, sometimes like, or unlike Esther, sometimes we get so focused in our life on what has happened that we miss out on what could happen. And I think here, I think how many times God opportunities come our way and we miss it because a God opportunity is knocking at the door, but we're too busy complaining about the noise. You know, we've all probably seen the movie Jaws and we were at a conference this past week and, and one of the speakers had talked about you know, this story with Steven Spielberg and, and had, had talked about kind of the journey of creating this movie Jaws, that, that when they first started to get into the first couple days of filming, um, that the mechanical shark would not stay afloat. Like it kept sinking to the, to the bottom of the water. And when you're making a movie about a shark, the shark's kind of important, Right. And so they had this impossible situation and Steven Spielberg could have looked at that and been like, oh, we got to change the movie. We got to do something else. But he goes back to the drawing board and he decides, let's build this movie not about what people see, but about what they don't see. And they use this impossible situation of this mechanical shark that's not working properly to create this curiosity and fear in the viewers' minds and hearts by building it around the music and, and the occasional glances of a shark. And now you look at Steven Spielberg, and he's just a, he's a, he's a, whole, a household name, and it all began with an impossible situation. You know, James said it like this. He said in James chapter 1, verse 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face impossible situations. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So if one of the characteristics for us to be able to discern between a good opportunity and God opportunity is to recognize that oftentimes God opportunities are disguised as impossible situations. I think the second characteristic that we can look at today is that God opportunities are always delivered through people. That's an important thing for us to understand when we're evaluating good opportunities and God opportunities, that God will always use people to get you 
where he wants you to go. I mean, look at Esther's story. God used her cousin Mordecai to raise her and to counsel her. He used the secular king and Xerxes to promote her to queen so that she could eventually save all of the Jewish people. I mean, I mean, none of that was on Esther's radar. None of it was on Mordecai's radar. None of it was even on the king's radar, but it was on God's. And I think about our journey, and Andrea kind of mentioned a little bit about it last week. Um, last summer, I mean, we had no idea, no idea whatsoever that we would end up coming here and being your next lead pastor after Pastor Terrell retired after 18 years. And I think about that situation and it, the opportunity, the God opportunity came to us through relationships. It came to us through a good relationship with Pastor Terrell. It came uh, to us through a good relationship with Dennis Gray and with this church board. And I think about if we, when we transitioned and left here in 2016, if we would have left on bad terms, if we would have left on bad terms, that God opportunity would have never presented itself last summer. And I think sometimes, church, that, that we as Christians, we have, we have this reputation for burning bridges rather than building bridges. We have this, this reputation that, that, um, that we tend to be some of the most unloving people in the world, not the most loving people in the world. That we tend to have a reputation of being kind of the thinnest skin, not, the, not having the thickest skin. And... And I think that's so unfortunate because we have, as Christ followers, have been forgiven of so much, yet we forgive so little. And the Apostle Paul made it clear to us in Romans 12, 18. He's like, he's like listen, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, what? Live at peace with everyone. As much as it's possible, like there's going to be some situations where it's not possible, but he's saying as far, as much as it depends on you and your heart and your willingness to step across the pain and to step across the hurt and to step across the, the unforgiveness, as far as it concerns you, do everything you can to live at peace with everyone. And I think one of the reasons why the Apostle Paul says that is because he understands that God opportunities often come to us through other people. And friend, who knows? Like, who knows how many God opportunities we've missed because we've been too busy burning bridges in the way that we treat people. So friend, relationships are important. How you, this isn't in my notes, but how, listen, listen, here's a little, little, little kind of coaching, coaching session here, okay? How you leave a church matters. How you come to a church matters. Like all of that matters. Like how we left here in 2016 mattered. And the way that we left gave us the opportunity to kind of seize a God opportunity to come back at a later season. And friend, if you don't want to miss God opportunities in your life, 
then work harder at building bridges, not burning bridges in the relationships around you. The third one is this, that God opportunities are presented to those who wait patiently. Now, none of us like point three, but it's the reality of life. Amen? (laughs) I mean, this one's big because for most of us, we read the Bible. Listen, we read the Bible and we assume that God opportunities should occur at the same speed it takes us to read it. Right? (laughs) But in life, there's always a process. There's always a process, and it always requires this great deal of patience. You know, there's this part in the Bible that talks about, about God moving suddenly, and, and He does move suddenly, but it's, it's all the time that leads up before that that we're waiting. And then all of a sudden, it's during that waiting process that all of a sudden, bam, He moves, the door opens, and you walk. And you look here in Esther, you know, we saw in Esther chapter 1, we read that King Xerxes, that he threw this party, right? And what year was it? Do you remember? Third year. Third year of his reign, right? He throws the party. I was even giving you the answer right here. <laughs> so we look in Esther chapter 2. It says in verse 16 that she was taken to King Xerxes in the royal residence in the 10th month, the month of Tibeth, in the seventh year of his reign. That's four years. That's four years from chapter 1 to chapter 2. And it says in verse 17, now the king was attracted to Esther more than any of the other women, and she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Listen, I think it's important that we all understand this, that waiting doesn't disqualify the promise, that it validates the promise. Like if you're in a season of waiting right now, and you're believing for God for something, and it's just a season of waiting, you feel like it's never going to happen, that is not a sign that it's not going to happen. It's a, it's a validation that God is at work in the process. I mean, I think about David, and I think about his life, and, and, and he had some deep personal um, issues in his life and some distress in his life, and he even encouraged us in Psalm chapter 27, verse 14. He said, wait on the Lord. We hate that word, I know. Hey, we, I mean, we are in a fast-paced society. We want everything right now. I mean, everything right now. And that usually gets us into a lot of trouble, doesn't it? And David's like, wait on the Lord. He says, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. And then he comes back and he says it again. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now, this word wait in the original language is quite a bit different than the English language. You know, for us, the word wait just means kind of sitting back like we're on the rocking chair on the front porch waiting on the kids to come home, right? It's just kind of, it's just kind of relaxed, just kind of waiting. But in the Bible, there is this active sense of this, this waiting, that this season of waiting in our lives from a biblical perspective, that it serves a huge purpose in our lives, Because what this season of waiting does is it reveals who we actually trust. 
Like, do we trust God in the season of our waiting or do we trust ourselves? And it's the wrestle that you and I for the rest of our lives will probably have to deal with of trying to move God faster than he wants to go, trying to kind of get ahead of what he's doing. And so we get into these situations where we have opportunities that present itself and we try to rush in this direction and get ahead of God. And there are seasons that he wants us to experience in our life, these waiting seasons where we learn to trust in him and to rely upon him and to see him move in a way that maybe he's never moved before in our lives. The fourth thing and the last one to help us kind of see the difference between good opportunities and God opportunities is, is this, that God opportunities are always for others. They're always for others. God doesn't bring opportunities our way just for us. That he wants to be a blessing to other people through the blessings that he brings to us. And, you know, God didn't choose Esther to be queen so that she could have all of her needs met, so she could party all the time, she could live it up in the king's palace. No, he elevated her to queen because he wanted to use her to bring freedom to the Jewish nation. And if you read on this week in Esther chapter 4, you'll see that Esther, that he start, she started to lose sight of that. She started to lose sight and Mordecai had to step in and rebuke her for focusing more on her own interest and her own safety rather than God's purposes. And it's here that we see this famous um, quote from Mordecai in Scripture from Esther chapter 4, verse 14. That Esther is speaking into Esther's life and saying, or Mordecai is speaking into Esther's life and saying, who knows that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. There's a lot of ways that she could have responded. A lot of ways, a lot of things that she could have done, but she receives Mordecai's rebuke. And here's what she says two verses later, that I'll go to the king, even though it's against the law. And look at this last part. And if I perish... Friend, she's got a perspective of life in this moment that she recognizes that it wasn't about her skill set, wasn't about anything that she had to offer, that God brought her to the place of influence that she was in for such a time as this. That she was there in the moment to, to help keep Haman to, to walk this process out of killing all of the Jews. And her position was this, that if I perish, I perish. You know, I wonder sometimes if the greatest tragedy that we could ever face in our lives is to miss our kingdom assignment because we become too caught up in our own personal agendas. Friend, God brings opportunities to us and we don't always see them. 
they always come through other people. And they usually involve some periods of times where we have to wait. But they always come our way so that we can make an impact and a difference in the lives of others. And friend, you and I will never live a life that way if we can't take the same perspective that Esther took. That if I perish, I perish. Like if those people don't talk to me ever again, then they don't talk to me ever again. That if I lose that friend, I lose that friend. If I can't get this, I just can't get that. Like there is a perspective, a kingdom perspective that I think God just tugs on all of us with to get outside of ourselves and outside of our own personal agendas and to be aligned with his kingdom assignment for our lives so that he can make a difference in the lives of those around us. You know, I'd encourage you this week or later today to think about this. As it relates to your opportunities, does this opportunity make my life better or God's kingdom bigger? How am I leveraging the influence that God has given me where I presently am to bring freedom to his people? And what God opportunity, friend, might be right in front of me but I'm too busy complaining about the noise to see it. Would you bow your head with me today? Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, your word's not always easy to to receive, but we know, Lord, that it's the best for us. And Lord, today, just like all of us, I believe there's people that, God, they're in a season where they're needing to discern between a good opportunity and a God opportunity. And Lord, I pray, God, that in this moment, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would begin to to help them to be able to push out their own agendas, to push out their own desires and wants. To Lord, to be able to see what it is that you would call them to do the direction that you would have them to go. Lord, we want to be a people that are known as kingdom-minded, people that have a, a godly perspective on the way that we live our life. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would begin to stir that within us today. With every head bowed and eye closed, You know, I think of the story of Esther and I think of the Jewish people that were doomed. They were doomed. And God brings this woman Esther into a place of influence so that she could bring freedom to his people. And maybe there's some of you that are here today or maybe you're watching online and and you recognize that you're far from God. You can feel the distance. You can feel the gap. You can feel the separation. 
Friend, God saw that. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come in and to rescue you and to bring freedom into your life today. That's you today. I want to pray with you. And it's the, it's the most important prayer that you will ever pray in your entire life. It's the prayer to accept Jesus into your heart. Right there where you are with every head bowed and eye closed, if that's you today, I want you to just kind of just slip your hand up for just a moment. Maybe today you just, you recognize there's a gap there and you need to come back to the Lord. Maybe you're here, maybe you're watching online, maybe you're listening in the car and the podcast this week, wherever you are, just take this moment and let the Lord know that you want to make a decision. You want to turn course today. Friend, if you raised your hand today, I want you to repeat this prayer with me and church family, would you say this with me today? Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Forgive me for living life my way. Today, I choose to surrender to you. Come live inside of me and change me into the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.